From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this week's episode, Bush Foundation fellow Abdizis Ibrahim, the founder of Immigrant Housing Solutions, talks to FNC reporter Brian Johnson. Ibrahim wants to expand affordable housing through outreach to landlords and property managers and provide a holistic combination of tenant education and financial literacy training. Um, great. Well, I'm pleased to be joined by Abdizis Ibrahim. Um, founder of Immigrant Housing Solutions and a passionate advocate for affordable housing. I guess I'll just read a little bit um, from from your bio first, uh, Mr. Ibrahim, and and we can go from there. Um, But I should mention that uh, Abdiziz is a uh, recent 2022 Bush Fellow. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, just by way of background, um, Abdiaziz is passionate about connecting immigrant families and families of color to resources that build economic mobility, especially safe, decent, and affordable housing. As founder of Immigrant Housing Solutions and with deep experience with property management and federal rental subsidy, he's in a unique leadership position to help families access affordable housing in Minnesota. He sees a significant need for property management companies that are owned and operated by people from his community. And he knows how difficult it can be for families to find decent housing and to understand their rights as tenants. So, um, disease, first of all, congratulations on the Bush Fellowship. So before we talk in depth about your, your background and some of your affordable housing initiatives, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about uh, being a Bush Fellow and what that means for your work. Thank you for having me, Brian, this morning. Um, yes, I'm elated. I'm very um, grateful for the opportunity that was awarded to me to be a Bush Fellow for the year 2022. I just want to uh, share with you and your audience is I have uh, been applying for Bush Foundation for several times, at least uh, three times in a row. And um, it's a very rigorous process, uh, quite challenging. And uh, I actually was eliminated at the quarterfinal stage, uh, the year 2021, 2020, 2021. And then I reapplied the same year. So, and, um, I got selected this time around, which is the year 2022. Um, I'm very much happy about that, and I was looking forward to it. 
um, it's 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 a different process. It's uh, writing your your plan and writing about your track record and uh, explaining what you will be doing with the fellowship. So I'm not really uh, well versed with talking about myself most of the time. So I was dwelling on the project. So I just want to say that um, to me it's an honor. I know there's probably 600 other individuals from our region who applied for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very grateful and I'm looking forward to this once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, well, congrats on that. And just by way of background from the Bush Foundation, uh, the Bush Fellowship provides fellows with up to $100,000 over 12 to 24 months to pursue education and learning experiences that help them develop the skills and relationships to foster large-scale change in their communities and region. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, um, first of all, some of those some of the work you do as founder of Immigrant Housing Solutions and how you became so passionate about affordable housing. Yeah, let me start with how I became so passionate about affordable housing. Uh, Nearly, uh, actually 15 years ago, I I was helping an immigrant family, um, translating for them uh, because they had problems with bedbacks in the unit in uh, St. Paul, downtown St. Paul. Um, So they had problems explaining that to their site manager. So I went with them to the leasing office and I explained when they were uh, facing the problems with bedbags and some roaches in the unit. Um, So after that, I filled out paperwork for them. Then I found myself uh, imagining the possibility of being being a site manager. So I went to... um, Indeed.com, and then I googled a property manager. I figured out what the property manager does, and then I applied for a position. Um, maybe a few weeks after that, I got uh, an interview position. I was called, and I was uh, asked questions about uh, my background. At that time, I had no prior knowledge about uh, prior experience about property management. So... I went through different interviews and I told them that I'm, you know, quick learner and I'm really interested in this position. So they gave me uh, a position, a property manager position in South Minneapolis to manage uh, four sites. Uh, most of these sites were low income housing tax credit and uh, they were very diverse tenants. And um, I was pretty young then. I got into it uh, with a lot of gusto and determination, and I uh, started uh, managing caretakers, maintenance tech, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I started talking to uh, uh, construction people, rehab people, painters, building turnovers. I started doing showings and all that. So I loved my job. And I stayed with that company for five years, at least I remember. And uh, it was an opportunity for me to talk to tenants about their problems. Um, some people need upgrades in their units. They were asking for new carpeting, uh, flooring, and stuff like that. There were like issues between neighbors that needed resolution. So I found myself doing, uh, you know, mediation or conflict resolution. Uh, at that time, um, I started working with a lot of uh, 
uh, what we call the, you know, subsidy programs like people with uh, second-age vouchers. Um, the project, some of the units were low-income housing tax credit, like I told you, like uh, Section 42 home units, um, you know, and others. So I started getting uh, familiar, familiarizing myself with different uh, programs and funding options for these uh, management, uh, you know, uh, units. That's how I got involved into the world of housing the first five years. And then um, after that, I went and worked with another company called Common Bond Communities, which is a leader when it comes to affordable housing here in uh, in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this time I worked in a project-based housing, um, you know, and then uh, the paperwork was quite large and I started doing maintenance. I actually was working with maintenance. I was working with compliance, a lot of forms to be signed to make sure everybody is eligible for their units and stuff like that. And this one was more diverse because in Eastern Paul, there are people from uh, Southeast Asia, there are people from East Africa, there were American born uh, tenants. Um, there was, you know, a lot of diversity in terms of culture, food, uh, I found myself doing a lot of national night outs, uh, a lot of collaboration with the police, um, city officials. And then they had a very good program, Adventure Services program, where there was uh, uh, after school tutoring, family counseling and stuff like that. So I stayed with that company for a while again. And then um, sometimes in 2015, I got... Um, a position with the International Institute of Minnesota, which is a refugee resettlement agency. They are looking for a housing manager. Then I started working with them again, housing refugees. And then for the last uh, seven years, I've been working with the Met Council, uh, Section 8 program. So um, I just found myself, I found a career, and I stuck with it. Yeah, great. And so... When when did you uh, found Immigrant Housing Solutions and uh, talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, that part. So now Immigrant Housing Solution has been in, in existence formally for one year right now mm-hmm. uh, during the COVID time. Um, but I just want to reiterate that I've been doing a lot of a lot of volunteer work mm-hmm. um, within my community. Um, you know, after work, I will uh, volunteer in the local, um, you know, community centers um, here in St. Paul, uh, filling out paperwork for someone, uh, doing housing search for people in my community. Uh, so I found myself doing that for several years. And then uh, when the pandemic hit uh, in 2020, uh, there was a lot of uh, need in my community. A lot of people uh, found, uh, you know, they, there was a culture of going to um, these government offices, let's say for Section 8 people to fill out paperwork, meet with their caseworkers. And all buildings were closed and nobody had access to these buildings. And uh, a lot of people don't have access to internet, uh, computers. They don't have access to um, scanners and stuff like that. They don't remember their username and password for the portal system, right? So that's when I found that there were a lot of people struggling uh, to keep their housing because of paperwork requirements, uh, verification of income, 
you know, trying to get to reach out to their caseworkers. That's when I created uh, Immigrant Housing Solutions, which helps with paperwork primarily, whether you are, you know, sending the paperwork to your Section 8 worker or you're sending the paperwork to, um, you know, even property management companies do need a uh, uh, recertification. That's the word, annual recertification. Uh, interim certifications. There's a lot of need for paperwork. Com- you know, filling out paperwork itself correctly, right, and then submitting this to uh, government offices. Mm. And then, among other things, I started doing uh, housing such support, which is uh, there's a lot of need. Whether you have a voucher or you are looking for a place to rent, whatsoever, there's a lot of uh, housing crisis going on in the in the Twin Cities Metro. So I started doing that. And, um, and then we slowly started with a little bit of training, uh, you know, um, tenant education training and then a little bit of financial training in uh, financial literacy training in uh, multiple languages, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's the beginning of it. It's, uh, it's something that we just started and, uh, we are very hopeful that it's gonna, it's gonna actually, uh, succeed and, and uh, help a lot of people in our community. Yeah, how's that going so far? Have you been able to help a lot of people um, navigate these uh, challenges that you talked about with the paperwork and everything else? Um, how many people have you been able to help so far? Yeah, that's a very good question. So a lot of people who come to us, uh, a lot of them are uh, East African uh, new immigrants, right? And, uh, the ability to speak, uh, their local languages really help. Um, yes, we have, uh, helped uh, quite a number of people so far. Uh, we have, uh, I've had volunteers coming to help me during the, uh, like Minneapolis Public Housing opened their Section 8 waiting list. And, uh, we got, uh, we announced that to our community and they came, uh, to get help with that. So I'm thinking maybe, uh, somewhere close to 300, 320 people applied, uh, the week it was, uh, announced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, application process is super easy for someone like me and you, that a lot of folks who don't have internet, uh, they have to create again a username and a password. Uh, they have to have an email address account. Um, they need to know the language. So it's quite, uh, challenging for them. So we had, uh, had, uh, uh, volunteers coming to help me and people are just streaming to the offices very orderly waiting for each other um so we filled out a lot of um waiting list uh applications that time uh, be- people actually come because of you know problems with um finding housing again um you know they want to move here or they want to move to another city or, to, or they want to move from uh um, you know, suburbs to the inner cities or stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they need help with all that. So um, mm-hmm. I can I can tell you for sure we we helped more than three hundred families with the applications of uh, MPHA when it was opened um, quite recently, a few months back. Okay, great. And I see from your resume, uh, from your bio on your website, that as an ombudsman for the Met Council, um, you successfully housed. 500 families in the last three years. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and um, how that uh, informed the work you're currently doing? 
Yes, of course. This was a precursor, yes. So, um, so I'm really passionate about housing site and housing placement for uh, low-income families. Um, so sometimes um, in 2015, uh, when I was working for the Met Council, uh, it's called Metro HRA, mm-hmm. um, they, they had wanted someone with a property management background to work with landlords and then work with families. Basically, there's a lot of people who had vouchers, but they were not finding housing. Mm. So they stay on the waiting list. And then once they get the voucher, they're not successful in placing their vouchers. And after a certain amount of time, their voucher expires, right? It's one thing to get the voucher. It's another thing to place it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So um, they created a position. They called, uh, they called it Ombudsman. Stock Outreach and Engagement Coordinator. So my main job was to uh, educate the, t- the families on Section 8 and educate the landlords, try to demystify the myths about the Section 8 program. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of negative connos- connotations associated with being a, with having a voucher. So um, it was, you know, I've, I have, uh, uh, I've been working with people from uh, out-of-state you know, coming to our jurisdiction, pouring in with their vouchers. So if you come from Minneapolis or if you come from Seattle or Washington, D.C. Uh, or Chicago, you come here with your voucher and you don't know where to find housing. So I have to uh, jump on that. It was a very good opportunity for me to work with these families. Finding, I've actually worked with a lot of homeless folks too, uh, people who... For example, I remember working with a lady who said she's been homeless for 20 years and she has an 18-year-old daughter and her 18-year-old daughter was born in, in the streets. Um, so stuff like that. A lot of vets, uh, people with, uh, uh, you know, VASH vouchers, a lot of chronic homelessness people, uh, you know, people with uh, special needs in the community. Um, the story is long. So that's, that's the, that's, that's, those are the families that I'm referring to when you talk about uh, housing search. Housing search has been my flagship. It has been, you know, I'm really passionate about that because, I mean, I can tell you I have not been able to successfully place all of them, mm-hmm. but maybe place maybe 30% of, uh, of the people who are looking because um, capacity is one thing and, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of challenges. They will still have their voucher expire for the fine housing. So that's a little bit about um, my background in doing housing such support. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's, there's a, I mean, there are no agencies doing that here in uh, the Twin Cities Metro. Um, there's a lot of need for that, but I'm sure there isn't, there isn't enough people doing that. Yeah, well, congratulations on that work. What what can you say on the about the capacity issue? There's been a lot of talk about the need for more housing, frankly, at all levels of affordability, but especially affordable housing, um, not just in the Twin Cities, but across the state. Do you have any ideas on how to increase that capacity and just free up more housing? Yeah, there's a, there's a high demand for housing and low supply of housing right now. Um, just, you know, 
basic ideas is to produce more affordable housing, construct more, uh, find out ways of working with local government to, um, you know, construct new affordable housing, whether that's going to be money from the federal government or from the state government or from the local government, or sometimes maybe uh, private companies uh, through, uh, you know, corporate social responsibility can chip in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, the simple answer is produce more housing uh, because right now rents again are very expensive. If they are, rents are very high, uh, there's an affordability issue with rents and rents are high, utilities are high, uh, you know, landlords are charging high rents, they're charging utilities. And when we talk about um, affordability in the language of, uh, you know, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, it is anybody who pays less than 30% of their income towards rents and utilities. Mm. Um, it's really hard finding, I mean, there are people who pay less than 30%, but majority of the folks out there pay more than 30% of their income towards rents mm-hmm. and utilities. So I just say, produce more housing, uh, it has to be, uh, there has to be a multi-sectoral approach, uh, you know, different government agencies, philanthropies, foundations, corporate sector have to come together to chip in to produce more housing. Yeah, and I think it's really something that's needed across the board in all communities. There's a lot of talk about Businesses having trouble finding workers, but the workers also need a safe and decent place to live. So it all kind of works together, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, there's workforce housing. They, they call it workforce housing right now. Um, a lot of people who live in, let's say, metro area um, cannot afford to live in that part of town because the rents, they're being aged out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is the issue of uh, affordability. It's, it's happening across the nation, not only in Minnesota, um, quite worse in probably places like California right now, mm-hmm. where everybody is moving out. And those who can afford actually can live farther away, but you know, when you, when you age out uh, a low income person who's got connected with school system, community centers, mm-hmm. uh, you are, you know, um, you know, you're just scattering people away. It does not really help a lot. So, yeah, that's the word for it. They, they talk about workforce housing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your future plans? I know it says in your bio on the Bush Foundation website that um, you want to expand affordable housing through outreach to landlords and property managers. And by providing a holistic combination of tenant education and financial literacy training, we talked a little bit about that. Um, but it sounds like you're also pursuing a master's degree in business administration uh, and uh, wish to obtain certificates in community building and leadership development and work with a coach to build stamina and well-being. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so. Yes, I just want to uh, broaden my knowledge when it comes to running uh, a non-profit organization, um, uh, running an efficient office, working with volunteers, working with co-workers, and working with the community. 
and I think the best option is to pursue a master's in business administration. I want to uh, create good relationship with management companies. They're really struggling with their tenants. There's a lot of uh, conflicts sometimes between tenants themselves and between tenants and uh, property management companies. I have, uh, I have for the last seven years, I've had good relationship with landlords in our region. Uh, you know, mom and pops, uh, you know, big management companies, um, some uh, companies which are owned by people outside the state. I want to use that to uh, educate landlords about the importance of working with low-income people, whether they have Section 8, whether uh, it's a low-income housing tax credit property or a project-based. So I just want to leverage that. I want to use my expertise and my knowledge to help the low-income families. Um, I also want to uh, work with families themselves. And when I say families, they can be one person or 10 or whoever to actually give them the tools they need to succeed in housing, um, housing access. For example, tenant education. Um, they need to know what their rights are, but they also need to know what their responsibilities are. Now, what I tell people is treat this unit, whether it's a one-bedroom or four-bedroom or six-bedroom, as your own house, like you own it, right? Because you own it, because the landlord has entrusted this unit with you, right? So make sure it's clean and orderly. Make sure the utilities are paid. Make sure your rent portion is paid. Make sure you go to your neighbor. Make sure you take care of grass uh, mowing, uh, lawn care. Make sure you do snow removal. Don't attract rodents. Don't attract, you know, stuff like that. People really want to hear. Some people are first-time renters. Some people are also struggling with, uh, you know, keeping their units clean and tidy. But you need to educate people about this. Majority of the folks are really doing a great job. I also wanted to expand my uh, knowledge on this aspect of providing housing such. Um, like I said, that is the backbone of uh, what this organization will be about. Um, you know, connecting with more landlords and connecting more families with places to live. Um, I want to mention the importance of conflict mediation and reconciliation between landlords and tenants. And then I also want to amplify documentation support, filling out the paperwork, forms. Um, there are several forms to be filled out by families, helping them with that. And then I want to mention the importance of uh, home ownership, you know. Uh, you're not going to be a renter for the rest of your life. Some people will move to being a homeowner. Okay? So, uh, you know, actually telling them, you know, if you're paying rent right now, you can save up some money to be a homeowner one day. And then what are your rights, what are your responsibilities, how, you know, one-on-one basics, how to be a homeowner. And, uh, you know, before you even think about it, think about, you know, your credit score and stuff like that. So all these things are a little bit related. They are interrelated. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just want to, you know, focus on those things. And I think uh, the best thing to do uh, right now is to invest because the Bush Foundation has invested in me. I'm going to take some time to attend conferences, network with community leaders, network with uh, professionals in the field. Um, you know, attend seminars, conferences, um, hire a coach, 
um, you know, I also want to be healthy, right? Um, maybe hire um, a coach for my own personal health and uh, my my own personal health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, great. Well, congrats again on the fellowship and good luck with your work. Sounds like you're doing some amazing work out there. So I uh, wish you continued success. And um, thanks again for joining me. Is there, Are there any thoughts, any additional thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up? I just want to encourage anybody out there who wants to apply for the fellowship um, to think about doing that. I know there are a lot of uh, leaders in the community. Very, There's a lot of unsung heroes in the community. Um, if you are not selected, don't tire away. Uh, don't feel uh, demotivated. Apply again. Talk to Who's Foundation staff. They're very helpful. And I just want to thank you and uh, your paper organization for inviting me to this space. Thank you so much, Brian. Wonderful. Well, thank you, sir. And have a great day. Hopefully we can connect again sometime in the future. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Right. Take care.